what, when we talk about like this concept of tonic masculinity or non-toxic masculinity, that man is embodied. That person is, you know, in touch with, with their feelings. They don't let those feelings take over, but they mm -hmm. know the difference between a thought and a feeling. And they're able to stay rooted into that deeper kind of timeless presence. Hello, welcome to the Happy You're Here podcast. In today's episode, we have Alex Oshensky, a.k.a. Olo, who is a writer, businessman, yogi, and coach on a mission to spread seeds of light that have allowed him to blossom as he continues to study, celebrate, and help elevate the human experience. That sounds like a lot, Alex, and I think that you are, you know, a very interesting guy. We've connected on Instagram originally, I think, maybe. I don't remember where we originally connected. It's one of those things you connect and then you talk for a while, and then it's like, ah, yeah, we've been connected for a while. The thing that we're going to really dive into in this episode is masculinity and what that means uh, as society progresses and as we evolve into new meanings of those words and how that relates to, you know, toxic masculinity, which some men feel a little triggered by that. And we'll talk about that. Um, but first, every guest I ask this question, is there a tool, technique or idea that in your journey to living a more fulfilling life has been central in helping you do that? Well, first, uh, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Really uh, excited to be here. And there is, I think, you know, there's, there's, I have a whole, I have a big toolkit, but yes, I think yeah. of... Of all of the things, um, you know, writing, it will, I want, I don't want to say of all the things, but writing for me has just been such a helpful process where um, we're, we're so fortunate now to live in a world where we have, um, everyone can share their ideas. And um, I always used to think of myself as a writer. You know, I had lots of thoughts spinning in my head and I felt like I had something to say, but um, I didn't really have the courage to, to put it out there. Mm. And um, since, since doing that and sharing, my, my thoughts, my ideas, my essays uh, with a broader audience, um, it, it's truly changed my life. And it's not just the, the public sharing of, you know, we all these days can have, can essentially be our own news source and, and media source, but it's not really just that. It's writing is actually the process by which I figure out what the hell I know about about life. And it's I think it's first the process through which I, I understand that I think I know something about it. Then I go to write about it and I'm like, oh, I actually have no <laughs> yeah. idea. Well, and I think it was actually metamodernism, which we first connected on. Oh, that's on, right, like, yeah. Yeah, and you know, when I first discovered metamodernism as a philosophical concept, and for those who maybe aren't familiar, it's essentially the philosophy of the internet. And um, when I first kind of discovered it, I was like, oh, wow, I think I get this. And then when I went to write about it, I was like, oh, this is just deeply beyond actually what I have any idea what I'm talking about, but then through writing and working and working and then sharing it, you, you get a smaller sense of the sliver. And so I think that that can apply, you know, I know you focus a lot on mental health and wellness, you know, journaling. Um, it doesn't have to be like yep. a, a, a grand exercise of putting writing out there, but just a practice of taking our thought, you know, a language comprises our world and taking that, our thoughts, putting it down on pen and paper or notes and, and then having that as, as a, as a process has been just so, so helpful for me. And that you, you made a really good point there that that doesn't have to be sh public sharing for everybody. Like the, the process of writing, writing it out and it, because it does, it really makes you realize like you have all these thoughts floating around in your mind, but when you try to put them on paper or even on a computer, then you start to realize like, Oh, this isn't as coherent as I thought. Or you make it coherent by by writing it out. Um, I do the same thing when I'm writing a topic, whether it's for a blog post or a guest post or something, uh, or even a, something that I want to cover on the podcast if it's a solo episode. And I'll, I'll do it and a topic that I'm interested in. 
that I think I can talk about a little bit. And then I quickly realize how much I still need to research on it and learn. <laughs> and I've started to use that as like a, if I find something that it's like, oh, I really want to learn more about that. I'll schedule that as a topic that I want to talk about at some point to force myself to do the research to learn more about that specific topic. To totally. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you know, for like, we're going to be talking too about, uh, you know, men and masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I think for, for men in general, journaling as a practice, right, where it's like this, you know, I'm talking more private, you know, here's how I'm thinking. And for me, it's just been the practice of like, how am I feeling today? Yeah, and when right. I go to write that every morning in my little journal, you, you know, you'd be amazed by how many times like there so many things but feelings come out. And so it's really hard. I even personally struggle like how, how am I actually feeling? Right. And what is what's in my body? And so um, that that in itself is a super powerful practice. And then, yeah, to your point, like, you know, I'll, I'll try to write some a lot of times my writing is trying to break down intellectual ideas and you know, I think I get a grasp on it and I go back and read it, you know, a couple months later. And I'm like, man, dude, you got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a good point, too, with the, the how men relate to journaling, because it can be such a useful tool. Uh, some other people that I'm connected with, actually, one has a whole course about journaling and he's been doing it since like, I don't know, 2000. 15 2014 or something and it's been really big and, and most of the people that are in that group are men because they don't know how to do it because they've you know i think initially when you hear journal if, luckily it's become more widespread at this point but i remember back in like 2015 hearing that and thinking like well like a diary <laughs> you know yeah, and it's like right, that's a right. that's a that's a feminine thing to do which is uh kind of absurd but it it is like the the apprehension that i think a lot of men especially that are, are are still like locked in those like this is what men do this is what women do uh like dichotomy it's it's uh it's a kind of thing that does not resonate with them um until you actually try it and realize that like you know some of the greatest men in history have journaled yeah not just journaled but really you know they had made it a practice in their yeah. life's work and yeah what, what you know there's the artist way which i think really made if you're familiar with that a book that really made popular yeah. like the process in, in the morning and uh, that sort of practice and then you know i think it's great that in the realm of uh what i believe is positive psychology like gratitude journaling where you just simply write down okay here are the five things that I'm grateful for every day. That's becoming really popular. And yeah, it's, in, you know, and I think actually to maybe walk back what I said earlier a little bit, um, having a, a place where you can write your, your just that no one else sees is also so important because, you know, as we all know in our, in social media, you know, our identities are often, it's often performance, a performance of who we are. Yeah. And so when you're sharing stuff to, to, to write, you know, online that, that actually can, you know, that's a pretty heady process that is one that can, you know, can be, I think, destructive if you're not very grounded kind of in, in centered. And so having a space where you can just unfiltered, write down your thoughts, I think is, is really important. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. That's something I write in my journal all the time without realizing it. I, I prompt myself, like, what do I actually believe? Or like, what, what, who am I? What, how am I identifying right now? Which I, my belief is that, you know, identity is a relatively fluid thing. So you're kind of choosing all the time what, what I, you're identifying as. But it's interesting to, to notice, like, I don't know what I believe in this regard, because I'm just regurgitating all the things that I've been consuming and haven't yeah. taken the time to sit down and think like, what, what do I actually think? You know? Right. Yeah. Um, Rene Girard has, you know, mimetic theory, which essentially states that we're, we're you know, as humans, we are just copying everything that we yep. see. And so to your point, it's so hard to distill, you know, what ideas are actually mine and are, you know, even a step beyond that, 
are any ideas mine, right? Uh, we yeah. have this conditioning <laughs> and, and wiring. And so, you know, it starts to get pretty, pretty, pretty meta and pretty, pretty almost spiritual in a certain sense where it's like where the realm of ideas where, yeah, there's also this sense where like the realm of ideas is actually like a, a physical world enveloping our, our physical planet, right? And not physical, but it's a, a you know, a, an exosphere of sorts. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I also think about those things a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's dive into, let's just uh, kind of recap the, you send out a newsletter every Friday. So if anyone wants to check that out, the link to that will be in the show notes. It's all your thoughtful writing and whatever the topic is that you're you're covering. Uh, the one that I reached out about that I wanted to talk about on the show was the um, article about masculinity, the the post that you made about that. So how about let's start with kind of recapping what you were talking about in that in that newsletter in that in that article that you were writing yeah 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 thanks for that um well i think first i'd want to say that even you know going into to talk about masculinity um it it feels there's a little bit of you know imposter syndrome where Mm. I'm, i'm obviously i identify as as a man um and by the way i think that it's also important to say that Anything that in the way I'm talking about masculinity can be the inner qualities of masculinity in that I think we understand that gender is, is, is fluid and has many, many ways we can understand it. But I think all of us, in a certain sense, have qualities of inner masculinity, even those who identify as women. Um, and, and actually, and in fact, homosexual couples are often acutely aware of the inner feminine and inner masculine qualities because mm-hmm. of their, their particular dynamics. Right. And so um, what what really inspired this post was that I think, you know, and I do a, a good amount of men's work and um, even beyond men's work and some of the communities I'm connected with, um, you know, recently there's been a lot of talk about, you know, tearing down the, the patriarchy and especially in the wake of the Me Too movement and now coronavirus, the revolution around racism following George Floyd's death. You know, there's there's a, a lot of talk around you know, how, how we, in a lot of awareness bubbling to the surface around how we live in this patriarchal system. And so what I was seeing was that there were two types of responses, generally speaking. You know, one is that when men hear that, um, you know, we are contributing and we are part of the, the patriarchy, the first def- response is often defensiveness. Right. And, and um, I think it's important to distinguish that, you know, like true masculinity um, is being able to to respond versus react. And, you know, Viktor Frankl has a, a great quote where between stimulus and response is freedom. And so when a stimulus comes our way, we can take it in, be in our presence, be in our bodies, and then respond rather than react. And I think that oftentimes what we're seeing men when they hear just that about the patriarchy, it's kind of like we tense up and we react and we're, and we think in, that defensiveness could be even trying to cling on to those old power systems. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, we could be playing offense. And in many ways, women were the first to kind of sound the alarm. They'd be like, hey, 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 this this system's not not working for us. Yeah. And we're going to work towards building a world that we want to participate in. And, and so I think that um, a man... Uh, a, a, a man who's deeply rooted to a strong sense of inner masculinity, um, that inner masculinity is connected to a strength in a knowing and almost an infinite expansiveness that is not bound or related to externalities of power, 
right? In as far as you know, needing to actually impose or show the power through you know politics, business, whatever whatever arena it may be. And I think that that true sense of inner masculinity is expansive. And it's the opposite of toxic. And so that was kind of the inspiration where this using this phrase tonic masculinity, yeah. which is the opposite of toxic. That's, um, you know, th- the response to the the idea of the patriarchy, because I think there's there's definitely a degree of a lot of men kind of just didn't think about it. Uh, and I think it's been unless you are involved with like feminist circles, it's something that you're just like, I don't want to think about that or kind of zone it out because it's generally come along with this like attack, rightfully so, towards the patriarchy. And when when you, as a man, associate yourself incorrectly with the patriarchy, that that does not mean that the attacking the patriarchy or dismantling the patriarchy does not mean attacking men or dismantling mm. men or even saying that men can't be in power. It's just looking at how are these systems set up that are allowing the negative traits uh, that can be manifest in masculinity, uh, this toxic masculine side, which, again, it's not saying that masculinity in general is toxic. There's there's toxic anything. And there are these traits that have a tendency to, they, they appear in a masculine sense, and they are toxic not just to society, but also to true masculinity. I think that's that's a super key point, right? And and that's exactly right. Where you know we're we're just because we are in the patriarchy doesn't mean that all men are patriarchal, or even that all men have oppressive qualities, right? And so um, just because we're within a system, like you know, in this, I read a great article um, in relation to this recently, which talked about how like when you're playing Monopoly, you know, you you work at acquiring real estate and you know you you take pleasure in other you know in greed and mm-hmm. in many sense it's a great metaphor for our our current system in which we live in where um you know just because we are we're, we're in this system doesn't mean that we are the system right like just because as myself as a white jewish man that doesn't mean that i'm judaism right or anything yeah. or anything like that and um and so i think that yeah you're th- th- it's a, it's a super salient point that yeah we have we have to get really clear about like what it is that we're talking about and in that i think when we actually unpack that like in the way that you just did it can i think some men can actually be like oh like i can take it okay deep breath it's not attacking you yeah (laughs) yeah this is not about me right and i think it's a similar you know it's separate topic but it's a similar reaction oftentimes with what's happening with with systemic racism too exactly yeah there is a degree of, and it's interesting because there was a there was a post on Instagram a while ago that I re, I commented on. I, I made some comments on, and then it was something about like it's okay for men to cry. It should just be like an I think I thought we were past that, but uh, <laughs> apparently not because a lot of the comments were like you know if you cry you're a beta and like all this stuff. Which first of all, the idea of like the alpha and the beta in actually even in wolf society is not a thing that is a really really dated scientific principle that has been disproven it only happens with wolves in captivity it does not express itself in human society there's like lots of um, evolutionary biologists that have shown that that's just not it's not a and it's not an accurate way to to categorize humans and that's where that i think a big part of that comes from is like if i'm an alpha and so a lot of people still identify by this Right. Right. If I'm an alpha, I have to dominate other people in order to prove that I am the alpha and I'm not being dominated. And someone pointed at someone said like, oh, well, you're just a beta. And I'm like, I'm not. No one's an alpha to me and I'm not an alpha to anyone else. So how does that make me a beta? And they're like, well, 
uh, <laughs> 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 the whole yeah. system, that whole idea is just is, but it's so pervasive. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's another really interesting point, and you know what what it it brings up for me is this other I think kind of thing that happened in terms of just like the the greater arc of of masculinity where you know if you look back at the you know 50s and 60s and even 70s america where it was just this man this american man was strong and silent and they did their job they didn't complain they didn't cry they didn't show emotion and then really as a reaction to that and as a reaction to the post-feminist movement um, or the feminist movement itself um, the you know the new age man was birthed and that man was overly sensitive, almost artificially so, yeah. um, hyper, hyper, you know, maybe crying. And it was almost like a performance, right? Like we mm-hmm. were talking about that performative identity where it was, you know, um, so far on the other, you know, the pendulum often swings, right? And so it was so far on the other side of the spectrum that I think it actually created it, it, it destroyed some of the polarity in that, you know, that it can exist between these kind of charges of, of masculinity, inner masculinity and femininity. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, a, a the, what, when we talk about like this concept of tonic masculinity or non-toxic masculinity, you know, that really is embodied, um, uh, that man is embodied. That person is, you know, in touch with, with their feelings. They don't let those feelings take over, but they mm-hmm. know the difference between a thought and a feeling. And they're able to stay rooted into that deeper kind of timeless presence. Um, and so that that's what I think about when I when I hear about that kind of alpha beta. Yeah, alpha <laughs> you know. Right. Thinking. Yeah. But but like, you know, it definitely is something that a lot of people and I think it's just an education thing of people being taught that uh, I just saw it on Joe Rogan's podcast. He mentioned it. And the guy that was on there was like, that's not accurate. <laughs> and oh, really? Joe Rogan, who has this massive audience, has been perpetuating this. Uh, yeah. idea and I mean he's he's since I've seen him correct multiple guests now on that topic uh, so he's like internalized that but you know we've got a lot of work to do as far as education on what and I mean cause it's it's a nebulous thing of like what healthy and t- I like the term the tonic masculinity looks like and as we're developing that and as we're developing the language around that more importantly that is is a bit of a um, it's not as easy as just pointing to like something and saying like that's it right there because i think we're still in that development of it at least from my perspective totally i mean and from my perspective too i think that's why you know i I acknowledge that there's i do encounter a bit of like imposter syndrome even talking about this something where it's like what you know what what do i know and and i think that's where um the the term tonic is helpful because Mm -hmm. um to your point it's so nebulous and we only really have verbiage for the negative right the toxic masculinity and then you know unless you're doing a lot of men's work and really connected to you know certain you know inner development communities you probably aren't really too familiar what that alternative vision of masculinity could look like and so i think that you're you're exactly right that like the first the very first step is talking about this and um in, in just bringing awareness and having the conversation and, you know, just, you know, putting in front of people. And so in getting, and, you know, being in, in having dialogue where it's like, you know, I think this, this is where I'm at now with it, but I, I'm sure it will evolve, right. As right. we do. And as our society evolves. So on that note, what is under your current understanding, what would you describe tonic masculinity as like what traits are associated with that? Yeah. Tonic masculinity is when, 
a man, I think, inner, and again, when I say man, right, these inner, referring to the inner qualities, one of the benefits of masculinity is really being able to have a singular focus and a single point of purpose. And that's, that's a very masculine quality where it's like, I'm going to be focused on my, my work or, you know, my, my art or providing for my family. And that can be a, a very beautiful thing. But oftentimes what happens is that that awareness of consciousness is placed on on the thoughts uh, themselves. So like, you know, the, in the thinking realm, in the basically the realm of mental masturbation. And so that's often toxic masculinity. Tonic masculinity is taking the focal point of that awareness towards something expansive. And that expansive thing could be our bodies. It could be the universe. It could be the ocean, you know, m- many different things. Um, and so I think what comes with that is um, listening, um, responding, not reacting. No, yeah, having a strength so deep that you you don't you you don't need to necessarily assert yourself. It's knowing when to follow and when to lead. Um, and I think it's embracing you know the the new paradigm that we're in. And so those are just a couple things that yeah come to mind. Now I'm sure there's there's more to it. I'll have to reread some of the stuff that I've read from others <laughs> and I've wrote. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great. I think the a really key point there is the. Uh, and you've said it a few times, is the respond rather than react, which is everybody experiences that, uh, what, no matter what your gender is. And a, and this is, is generally just like a healthy versus unhealthy way to um, interact with the outside world is are you choosing to, to respond? And, and sometimes that response is no response. That response is, is a stoic, like, Nope, not going to engage with that. But if you're reactionary, you're going to react to everything that's thrown at you. And really, right. you know, we've identified that as, we, I think we recognize it as not strength. Like when you see a man who, uh, like everybody that bumps into him, he wants to start a fight with, that doesn't look like strength to anybody. No one can look at that and be like, well, that man really, ha-, you know, he's a pillar of strength. That's mm-hmm. that's a scared little puppy lashing out because it's threatened and it thinks that's the only way that it, it can do that. But if you if you're coming from a place of strength, someone bumps into you and it's like, you know, you're able to assess whether that is actually a legitimate threat or not. Uh, and, you, and you're not so self-conscious that I need to, like, prove that I'm strong here. That's the big thing is like, do I need to prove that I'm strong or do I just know that I'm strong? And if I know that mm. I'm strong and I have that inner sense of strength. And I don't have anything to prove. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that what what comes up for me when you say that, and I mean, that's so it's so true. I mean, well, so two things. First is that with your puppy analogy, what we're also often seeing with toxic masculinity is men doing that that bark, that yappy bark in the online space mm-hmm. where they see yeah. something that triggers them and they just react rather than sitting in and taking in. And oftentimes it's like a reaction where. Yeah, it's they, they see something that they find to be overly sensitive or something that they're not in touch with. And particularly when we're talking about like feminine, masculine things, they'll might see something that they're like, oh, that's so sensitive. You know, I've even been guilty of this myself rather than taking a minute to be like, OK, this is this is this is this person's expressing how they feel. And I'm just going to take that in. The other thing is that I think that a, a quality of tonic masculinity is recognizing that having a strength so deep that, you know, in our current world, you know, it's been exposed that, you know, women, they get paid less for the same jobs. They're not, you know, you look at our our government, you look at um, all specters of life and we, you know, it's, it's under, under representation. And I think that if a man is deeply rooted to their strength, they recognize that that needs to change. And there very well could be a future in which women it has flipped right where women are actually in 
you know, more political roles and leading and in business. And um, I think that a man who is connected to a, a more expansive sense of strength doesn't get scared by that, but it's rather more like, yeah. yeah, like let's bring that on. Yeah, well, and that's definitely, you know, if if your reaction to the idea of representation being equal is that I'm not going to get my fair share, it just just take that in for a second as the audience. If if my reaction to equal representation is that I'm not getting my fair share, that means your current understanding of what your share is is an unfair share. And I think that's it's a difficult thing. I don't want to understate mm-hmm. how difficult mm-hmm. and kind of scary that can seem when a way that that really manifests itself, and you see this a lot with, I think, the the, the systematic racism thing too, is like, or poverty, right? Is that someone that's a, a, a man, okay, let's just use that example, primarily masculine traits, sees that, okay, there's... People want there to be more women in, in successful positions, but I'm not successful. I'm struggling as a man, right? I I feel like I have even less of a chance then. Like no one's paying attention to me and my struggles. They're kind of downplaying. Uh, and the same thing happens with, with race, you know, where white people that are struggling will use that as an excuse that like there's no racism. I'm also white and I'm not rich and I'm not powerful. And it's just a misunderstanding of, of, of what systematic means. It's a you know, an on average, a broad average. And obviously there are going to be lots of people that don't fit that and and are still struggling in some way. But if you were a different race or a different gender and had the same exact circumstances you have now as you're struggling, your chances of your opportunity would be even less than it currently is in Mm -hmm. the current way that society's built. And I don't understand how anyone could see that and think like, well, yeah, that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think one of the more, you know, bigger problems of our times. And I think it, you know, it boils down to empathy where mm-hmm. these people have a very hard time empathizing with what other people's struggles of any shapes and varieties and structures might look like. And when you magnify that and multiply it times, you know, our, an online space, a world that's moving increasingly online, where our information feeds um, become reality tunnels that play into our cognitive biases, and you know, basically, kind of just tell us what we what we want to hear within our our own spectrum of of political and um, socioeconomic kind of uh, you know all all realms of identity. Um, it creates a pretty big problem. And so I think that, yeah, it's good to, that's why it's great you're having, doing something like this where you're getting a message out there. And cause I think that education and awareness is probably the, the single most important thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to the mindfulness of being mindful of the way that I'm, I'm relating to those identities, uh, which is a pretty big step for a lot of our society still. I, it's happening, but it's like, we, yeah. we have a long way to go. Um, I think that I'd be interested in hearing more about like what the, the men's work that you do is we're, we're going to like kind of start wrapping up, but, um, what does that look like? And, and if someone's listening and they're like, man, I really fall into a lot of these spaces of, of what you're describing as toxic masculinity. Like, do you have any kind of recommendation of, of a starting point where someone could start to, to move or wants to move further in that direction of, of understanding what healthy masculinity could look like in their lives? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. Um, and so I, I do a couple different, um, men's groups. And so, um, I also, um, host and, and organize, um, men's retreats and I host, you know, group, group dialogues. And so I think that there, so there's a couple different, you know, um, 
you know, public and free options for doing men's group where you get together a group of guys who generally, I want to say are conscious where they have an intention where they want to talk and learn and grow, you know, in each other's presence and be witnessed. And so, um, you know, one of the, the more kind of popular and, uh, renowned ones is the mankind project. I think they're Mm -hmm. all over the world now. Um, there are, um, other new digital programs. Uh, Ronin squad is one that I'm in, which is awesome. And I highly recommend that And all these programs are started from, you know, folks like Robert Bly and, uh, you know, folk, basically folks who are very steeped in this work. Right. And so there's, I think that that's key is like when choosing a men's program is like going down a road that, you know, that there are people, we can stand on the shoulders of giants, people who have been doing this work and who are, you are brilliant. And so, um, that's for one. And then I think that, you know, when it comes to, you know, what, what, as a starting point, um, you know, we're fortunate that, you know, there's lots of great YouTube videos out there. There's lots of great books. Um, you know, David Data, John Wyland, Robert Bly are all kind of, you know, Robert Bly being more of the grandfather elder figure of folks. And then David Data and John Wyland being kind of his like disciple are examples of like prominent, you know, uh, conscious masculine voices in the space today. Um, and so, um, I would recommend checking out those guys. Yeah. Cause there's, there, there are great resources out there to get plugged into. Yeah. Great. That's, that's helpful. Those are, I honestly have not heard of a few of those people, so I will follow up afterwards. I always love learning more about this kind of thing. I think also a good starting point is just being open to it, right? Like just accepting that maybe the things that you've been taught are wrong. Uh, and maybe, uh, there's room to grow. There actually is always room to grow, but, uh, that can be, uh, a big step for some people. I would hope if you're listening to this show, that's not <laughs> uh, a step that you still need to take, but if you do, that's, that's, that's the first step. Um, what is, is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with? And obviously where are some places online where you're, where you're active, where people could engage with you if they're interested? Yeah. Thanks for that, Craig. Um, I think that what I would leave the audience with is the thing that I'm working on now, and you know, there's always kind of a th- a theme, right? That you know, for people who are doing, I think a lot of inner inner work and personal development stuff, um, that has been my like latest kind of obsession is really cultivating embodied presence. And so, what I mean by that is, um, you know, actually being in my body, fully present in the moment. And um, I think that that's something that men, especially, in a, in a lot of respects, can use can use help on. It also makes them more attractive oftentimes in heteronormative and even non-heteronormative relationships to, to others. Um, and so I would say that, you know, coming into contemplative practices that allow myself to, um, tap into, you know, something, something more expansive than the world that is around, um, us normally, especially in the midst of a global pandemic and a lot of other crazy wild things happening. Um, has just been so important and I'm like continuing to kind of remind myself to come back to that. And so that, that's, that's the, the big thing that I'm working on now. Yeah. As you mentioned, I write a, a newsletter. It's called Fridays on the Olo. Um, my website on the Olo.com um, has all this stuff. It has all my essays, my most popular essays. Um, I also host um, group dialogues um, that this was actually a project that was born um, out of coronavirus and a need to really just process some of the existential things that we were facing. And then it really started picking up with the conversations around uh, racism and, and 
um, now it's it's evolving and in many ways and so there's a real digital community forming and so would love to have other folks uh, join that who you know are, mm-hmm. are just want to listen or want to have a place to talk and um, that's uh, I also do some I also do coaching uh, one-on-one coaching and so um, kind of have a, a few things in the in the fire working on a book but um, yeah I appreciate the we'll have to the have you back on to talk about your book whenever you uh, get closer to that I would I would love that yeah well thank you so much for joining us and all of the uh, references that uh, you can find Olo at are down in the the, the you got it. show notes below thanks Craig yeah pleasure.